We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Today's focus will be on verse 17. We're looking at how do we endure? What do we put our value on to endure? I remember years ago, years and years ago, I moved to Colorado for the outdoors. And uh, I basically went from one adrenaline stimulation to another adrenaline stimulation is basically what I was doing. And I got into uh, backcountry skiing, uh, which is nothing like cross-country skiing. Okay, you basically have a pair of skis that look like an alpine ski or a downhill ski, except your heel's not hooked onto it. And uh, uh, I, I took it to the, as big an extreme as I could. And, and I remember uh, a number of Christmases that I would be skiing the Continental Divide at Christmas. Uh, I was not married uh, and was... Um, in the 20s and lost all sense of common sense. And uh, one of the things that I learned is you would go out and, you know, we, we had snow caves. You got to understand that the technology was still a, a bit behind. Uh, there was no such thing as Gore-Tex. Okay. You wore wool. Okay. And, um, and wool was really cool, actually, because you could soak it and still stay warm. Anyway. So we were doing these things, but what you would find is is that you spend all day skiing, carrying 40, 50 pound pack, and then have to dig a cave. Uh, and if you, what we really was looking for was uh, new snow. But what happens with new snow? You usually sunk to about your knees in it. Okay, and so you and whoever you were with, if there was one or two, three of us. Um, we'd take turn breaking trail, and that was extraordinarily uh, strenuous activity to break trail because you can, believe it or not, ski uphill. Uh, gravity's still against you, <laughs> but, but you can ski uphill. And what we learned is, is to keep our endurance up, is that you would take, now you got to understand this is winter, so you, you can do this, you can't do this in the summer. Uh, sticks of butter, okay? And you could literally eat it like a, a bar, a candy bar, okay? And it was just like you would be sweating profusely. Um, I remember skiing four days and lost 41 pounds in four days. Okay, that's serious calorie burning, okay? But you could take a stick of butter and eat it because it's frozen like a kind of like a popsicle and um it had so much in it that it was almost like doing an amphetamine i mean literally it, your body would just saw oh wow and then i'll go first <laughs> okay and that that was a trick that we learned to endure okay because we kept telling ourselves we're out here doing this for fun <laughs> Okay, and uh, you know, I was like, Elitches, go to Elitches. <laughs> you don't have to eat butter if you're at Elitches. That is what ministry is about. What are the tricks to endure? Let's pray and read the Word of God. And Paul gives us the tricks 
for enduring. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our lives, our faith, and all that is before us. Father, help us to have ears to hear. Help us. And we think about the ministry here and how at times it is so wearisome. And yet, Father, our brothers and sisters in Uzbekistan and Pakistan and Belarus and Russia, all of these distant lands are forsaking all. So the glory of the gospel will go forth to as many people as they can get it to. Help us to have that heart. Help us to look at our brother Paul right now and say, Father, he endured. Help us to endure. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. We are looking at the Apostle Paul describing to us what it means to be in the ministry. That's what Second Corinthians is dealing with. We see that our ministry is made adequate by God, giving us the understanding of the gospel, which is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what they call the new covenant. I've had people ask me, well, why don't you teach the old? Well, once I get the new one done, I'll work on the old. Okay, but that's what we're here for. We are here to proclaim Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, rose again, redemption of our sin. And there is no other way to God except to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, there's all kinds of ways to Jesus Christ. There's only one way to God. All right. And, and I, I've heard, I've heard it all and I'm starting to hear it from conservative evangelicals. Well, I believe that the Catholics are saved. I believe that maybe some of the Mormons are saved and some of these, if, if their passion is there in that faith that they have, then they will be, no, they're not. They're liars. I meant it that way too. Okay. They're either deceived or they're deceivers. Okay. And, and that's, I, 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 you've got to be blunt about it because we've all just smiled around and, hey, it's okay. They're, they mean well. No, if you're leading people to hell, I don't care how well you mean. Okay, read your book. This, this is not a complicated book. I know everybody likes to think that it is, uh, but it's not. It's not. How do we endure? You know, I, I had a conversation that's been a couple of weeks ago and uh, it, it is to preach the word in season and out. And the guy asked me, and he says, what do you think? And I was like, I'd give anything to see what in season looked like. Because I don't think that I've ever preached in season. When the people are saying, we want more. Now, this is a blessed congregation. You people are very dear to me. And you tolerate me for years and years and years. And I don't, you're, you're making Job look impatient. So, I mean, you tolerate me and I keep thinking it'd be easy to go through what Job's gone through. But anyway, uh, but, but, but when I look at that and I hear that, there's times that, you know, I look at my community right now here in Castle Rock 
and, and the things in, in Elbert County, Douglas County, and where we minister up and down around on the front range. As we go through our lives, you're a minister of Christ. It isn't, you know, I woke up on, you know, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I minister. No, it's, if you're saved, you are a minister. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ now, all the time. And, and what you do is you show what you put your value in moment by moment of every day. What is important to you? What is important to you? And that is how lost people view us. What is important to them? What you, we have seen and what we've been looking at is to endure is what have I got my value in. Last couple of weeks, we've looked at verse 16. We do not lose heart. We do not become timid. We do not become cowardly. Even though the outer man is decaying. And we looked at Ecclesiastes 12. The outer man's decaying. Anyone who says it isn't hasn't, they don't own a mirror. Just go look at a mirror. You can say, yeah, it's decaying. It's, and in some cases, faster than others. But it is. But if you really look at our lives, what is it that we focus on the bulk of the time? The outer man. You think about, you know, I will just ask you this, and you do not need to respond. Okay? Today is church Sunday. We go to church on Sunday. Ask yourself a simple question. Did you spend more time on what you were going to wear to church or preparing your heart to hear the word of God for church? What should you spend most time on? Okay, and yet the outer man is decaying. And I don't care how much you dress it up. It's still decaying. And you can't get away with it. And yet we focus toward that side. He says we need to be focusing on the fact that the inner man is being renewed day by day. The Holy Spirit in the inner man is strengthening us. So that Jesus Christ can dwell in our hearts at home. And then the fullness of God exists in that believer. And they will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what they could ever think or imagine. It's that simple. It's that simple. But we have a tendency to want to focus on the outer man. If you are in the ministry, which means if you are saved... If you plan on enduring in the task that God has set before you, this race that is before us, each and every one of us, then you need to quit focusing on the physical strength and start focusing on the spiritual strength. Which brings me to verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Second thing on how to endure. Put the value, put my value, put your value on the future over the present. The future over the present. I was reading one author and he said, if we have a heavenly look, that gives us endurance. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You're looking to the heavenlies. It's, I kind of liken it, if, if you're driving a car, all right? You're driving a car. You don't look right over the end of the hood. 
right? You're looking down the road. Well, some of you. Why? Because you want to see what's coming ahead of you in the future. Nobody drives their car looking right down there. And if you do, we see you on traffic update. <laughs> you know, I think about, I think it was Linsky wrote, Paul is towering, quote, towering over his enemies. He's towering over his troubles. And he's doing it in this text. Because, you know what, he's not looking at what's going on. He is not looking at what's going on. He is looking at the heavenlies. I'm looking that I, I press on to the upward calling of Jesus Christ. Okay? You know what he's saying? He's saying all of this stuff that is in our lives. Now, now you look at his ministry and you can't even hold a uh, Really? I'm suffering for Jesus. Not like Paul. I guarantee you there ain't nobody in this room who is fearful of their life today for the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be fearful on, I hope he gets this done early enough so I can get to the, before the restaurant line is too big. You know, the important stuff. Paul's life is, is amazing to me because I've, I've spent a lot of time with him lately. And it, it became very apparent to me that nobody could touch him. They may insult him. They may physically abuse him. They may put him in stocks. They may attack his integrity. His motives for ministry were assaulted. And you know what? He just kept right on going. Part of the accusations that were coming against him was people getting mad at him. Why would people want to kill you if you're telling them how to get to heaven? That would be the argument. Well, to get you into heaven, I need to tell you what your problem is. Okay, and as soon as you do that, people get real cheery. Okay, especially if they've been raised in a religious system that your system don't fit. You know, it's, it's funny because I listen to all of this stuff and we talk, you hear them talking about the radical Muslims. You know why they're radical? They believe they're right. And if you stand up and say, you're not, they blow you up. Okay, and then you both stand before Jesus and they you can look at him and say, See, told you I was right. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that I really wish that we would understand because we say we believe, but if you look at our actions, do we? The more that they tried to hurt Paul, the more they helped him. You ever thought about that? That's amazing. Uh, in my years as the pastor of this church, I have had a lot of assaults. Okay, not, not, nobody's trying to beat me up or crucify me or anything. They might have, but they, they just couldn't catch me. The kid's standing up on top of a roof covered with snow. Leave him up there. <laughs> He'll kill himself. Um, there has been many times that my integrity has been attacked. Um, I, I like it because a lot of people like to bring up my past. It's behind me. But I, I watch this on a regular basis because when you start affecting lives, you're going to start getting attacked. 
and they will attack your integrity. Why is he doing it? Well, we think he's doing it because of this. I've had people who have come up to me after years and years and years. And, I, and I've been walking with the king. I've been senior pastor about 17, 18 years. Well, I remember when. Dude, you should have been with me. <laughs> I was there before you. Okay, well, how can you be? There is the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When I look at the Apostle Paul, I see all of these troubles. Beaten, stoned and left for dead, arrested. All of this stuff happening. These, uh, these verbal attacks, these physical attacks, the emotional attacks, the spiritual attacks. You throw them all together and I keep looking at it. And the more I look at it, the more he grows and becomes stronger spiritually. Now, there's a part of me backs off of this. And says, I don't want to be that spiritually strong. But if that's what he has in store, poo. (laughs) (laughs) Paul looks in this verse here and he says, it is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparisons. And I understand what he's talking about. This church that he's writing to has broke his heart. And yet, in that heartache, he looks at it and says, I'm gaining an eternal weight of glory. You know, and I, I think of... He was invincible. If you're really honest with yourself, if you look at the heavenlies, what can stop you? You think about the things that distract us from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about them for a second. Okay? Because each of us has things. Okay? And, you know, some of them are pretty powerful. You know, some of them, I love you, are just as trivial as the day is long. Right? Right? Whatever it is that dissuades you from your walk and service to the Lord Jesus Christ, do you understand that it's only temporal? If it's only temporal, I'll ask you the next question. What is its value? And I mean, now think about this for a second. You, you guys are going to have to stay with me on this. And if it looks like you're daydreaming, I'm going to call you out. Uh, I'm going to call your name. You're, you're daydreaming, I can tell. Paul was so far beyond his accusers. And yet his accusers, his enemies, were literally contributing to his future glory. Grab that for a second. What they were doing to him was adding to his reward stack. That's amazing to me. I I guess the, the easiest way that I would surmise this thing is that for you and I today, okay, this present pain Okay. Matters so little compared to future reality. 
Okay? And as Dr. MacArthur says, looking at earth through heaven's eyes. Okay? I, I remember going down to the... Uh, uh, what is that place? Canyon City? Not Canyon City. Royal Gorge. Sorry. The Royal Gorge. And, and, and we took... Uh, Spiros Zodiades and his uh, wife down. And uh, we go in to the little place there, and you got the little deer all come up going, you got bread? Uh, and, you know, it's crazy. It's like being down on 16th Street Mall. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the deer are cuter. Uh, you get up, you go through the little archway thing. It's got a big old deck out there, and you walk over to the deck, and you look down, and here's the Royal Gorge. And that is a serious ditch. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, and, and we're sitting there looking at it, and the sun is kind of over here, and it's kind of sh- shining back at us, and you can see all the strata of, of red, and then these little clumps of sage. Then you see these green moss areas where it doesn't get a lot of sunlight. I mean, it's beautiful. You just sit there and go, man, look at that. And I said, isn't that beautiful? And Zodiati stands there and looks at me for a minute. He says, what would it be if it had not been touched by sin? What? <laughs> What does this look like in its absolute beautiful perfection that God? Spiros, dude, <laughs> I'm going to go over and feed the deer. <laughs> okay, I don't want to think about that. that. That gives me a headache. I was at the Grand Canyon once, and I remember looking at it and thinking what Zodiotis. We were on the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and it was in March, and there's snow on the ground. Okay, and so you go walking up to the Grand Canyon, and I, I got to be honest with you. You first look at it, you're standing there in the snow, and you're looking at this big, huge ditch, and it looks fake. You're sitting there going, "Wow, dude, it just doesn't look real." It's got all these colors, and you see all this stuff there, and you just sit there, and, and then Zodiotti's words come back. What does this look like if it's not touched by sin? It's flat. <laughs> it's not. It's not eroded. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. Don't ask me questions like that. That is our perspective. Affliction, suffering, pain, persecution. If you took a scale. Okay, you ever seen a, how they weigh things out? They'll put the commodity here and then put little weights in the other side of it until you get a balance. And you can say, well, this thing weighs four pounds or whatever it is. If you take all of your afflictions, all of your suffering, all of your pain, persecution, and you put it on one scale, all of it, I'm talking your entire life, stick it on one scale. Put future glory on the other one. Which one's heavier? The reward's always heavier. Always. It's far greater. It can't compare. Remember Matthew 11? Verse 34, my yoke is light. Okay, and if, if you go and study it, you'll understand that when they were using a pair of oxen to plow, they always put a trained, well-seasoned oxen and then a young one next to it. And if you ever watched them, the old ox was bearing all of the work, and the other one is usually fighting against it for a while, then all of a sudden realize that all I have to do is walk alongside this. 
And all of a sudden they don't have the chafing of the neck and they don't have this and they don't have that. And the old oxen is just sitting there doing, this is what I do, this is how I do it, sit down and shut up, kid. And that's what Jesus is telling us. I'm doing this, sit down and shut up, kid. The rewards are predetermined by my father. Whatever your suffering is, is not going to compare to what you're going to get afterwards. A sinless Grand Canyon. Paul says, it is a momentary light affliction. Look at his ministry. (laughs) Yeah, sign me up for momentary and light. Paul's view of what was going on in his ministry was that it was light. It isn't that big a deal. There's not really a lot of weight to this. Dude, they stoned you and left you for dead. They beat you with rods. You're in danger in the country. You've been shipwrecked. You spent a night at sea. And it's light? He saw it as momentary. As momentary. I guarantee you, anybody in this room who's gone through any kind of suffering did not look at it as momentary. It's going on and on and on. No, it's light. No big deal. Doesn't last long. A very brief time. And Paul had years Of danger every day. It never let up for him. He's taking the gospel to the Gentiles. The Gentiles don't want it. Satan don't want it. The Jews don't want it. And he didn't stop. How do you endure? You would think that I could walk up to somebody and say, Hey, you want to go to heaven, you want to go to hell. How hard is that? How hard is that? But try it. Try it. You know, I was just thinking today, this morning, well, actually last night, I was kind of bringing this thing all back together, and I thought about just the number of times he was arrested. Think about that. I mean, he writes Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, Colossians. Where is he? He's in prison. Chained to a Roman soldier. A poor soldier. Twelve hours a day listening to this guy. Does he ever shut up? Now you just think about that. And what did he get in jail for? Preaching the word. He gets down, thrown in Herod's castle right there, Herod's palace and prison right there on the sea, uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And he was in there for years without a trial. And they'd bring him in and ask him goofy questions. They just say, I get the same thing. They don't put me in jail to do it. But I come up, well, what about, fill in the blank. What about the little African man who's never heard the gospel? Is he going to hell? You betcha. Okay, nobody ever asked me, well, how do you know that? Because they're just always wanting to, well, what about, or what if, or what, give me a break, people. And that's what they do. They think, well, you're just a bigot. 
Have you ever looked up the definition of a bigot? It ain't what you think it is. It's someone who believes they're absolutely right. Oh, wait. What's the Bible? Absolutely right. Jeez. All right. Take a stand on truth. Just do it. You don't have to go pick a fight. You don't have to go stand out in front of Planned Parenthood. Shake your sign. You don't have to do that. You can just take a stand for truth. Watch what happens. The number of times that he was arrested still is astonishing to me. And he says, that's just a momentary light affliction. Not that big a deal. Put in stocks. Feet. Can't stand up. You ever, you ever, have you ever thought about this? This is how warped I am. Have you ever thought about this? You're set in stocks in the Philippian jail. Where do you go to the bathroom? But it's a momentary light affliction. But you smell bad. <laughs> have you ever thought about that? <laughs> you guys, no, not really. <laughs> Leave it to you to come up with that. James comes at us and says, life is but a vapor. Do you know that if you take a timeline, okay, that's eternal. If you live to be 100 years old, you don't show up as a dot. So Paul looked at it and says, you know, given eternity, it's just momentary. It's just momentary. It's light. It's weightless. It's trivial. It is nothing. There's nothing to it. Okay, now wait a minute. He speaks of his life being crushed from him. Paul says, yeah. Still nothing. Still nothing. If I look at Paul's life from an earthly view, I see a lot. I see a lot of suffering. I see a lot of injustice in his life. We would call it, that just doesn't seem fair. It was unending. It was severe. I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it on a friend. I have a couple of enemies to be all right, but I not very many. But Paul never had an earthly perspective. He never looked at it that way. You see it again in Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and following. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs of Christ, if indeed what? If we suffer with him. You won't find that in your little Jesus promise books. But you know what he just said there? You are heirs, joint heirs, if indeed what? Suffer with him so that we will may also what? Be glorified with him. You think about that for a second? Have you ever pondered that? 
We will be glorified with Jesus. Think about that for a second. Have you ever thought about that? We always do. We smile. Oh, I'm an error. You know, I get mad at Christmas. Everybody's wanting to sell stars and name a star after somebody. Okay, you can never find it, but you can name it. Wait a minute. I'm joint heirs with God. Those are mine. You can't name my stars. Now, I don't have enough names to name them, but I'll name it one, two. There looks like a two. See, the point is, verse 18, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, we get that if you're in suffering, some wonderful saint will come up to you and say, I'm convinced that the suffering of this time can't compare to the glory that's headed your way. Okay, don't they? But that's what they say to you, right? But yet they don't ever read the beginning of it, do they? The Spirit testifies with us that we are children of God. If we are children of God, then we are heirs, also heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him so that we may be glorified with Him. I am convinced that the sufferings of this Age can't compare to the glory to be revealed. You ever thought about that? Persecution, trials, suffering, heartache. Let me tell you something. I will guarantee you this. They are real. They hurt. And yet whatever is happening is trivial when you compare it to future glory to come. Our eternal glory, Paul uses there in 2 Corinthians, is our capacity to serve God through Christ, to glorify Him and to praise Him. Okay, now listen. Everybody goes to heaven is perfect. They have the ability to glorify and to praise God, right? Absolutely. Got it? Got it. But those who have suffered more in this life have a greater capacity to do it. It doesn't mean that you've got, well, here's your average Christian and here's your big time Christian. That's not the way this is taught. They have a greater capacity to bring honor and glory to God in the eternal worship that will take place in heaven forever and ever and ever. Okay? In heaven, that capacity is measured out in our willingness to suffer for Him. Okay, second Timothy, chapter three, verse 12. Very seldom will you ever find this. Those who are going to walk godly will be. Persecuted. Okay, you take a stand for Jesus Christ today. You are going to get some flack. You don't believe me? Sit with a room full of pastors, have great plans for the kingdom of God and ask him a simple question like, where's that in the Bible? I mean, well, you're starting to sound Baptist. 
Yeah, okay. First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, verses six and following, six to eight. In this you greatly rejoice. Do you know what in this is? You're suffering. You're suffering. You're protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. I already showed you. If the Spirit indwells you, what happens? You're joint heirs. Amen. I like that. And I'm compared that the suffering of this age is, oh, gee. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Did you get that? My mom had to bury two husbands. But she's an amazing prayer warrior. But she'll tell you. Her first husband died when she was in her early 30s. Okay, and she had two boys. And she knew it was going downhill from her. (laughs) Okay, and she knew right then, you know what? I have got to get to God, period. And she knew it. Okay, why? That's suffering. I don't care what anybody says. All right, because it wasn't like, you know, she had was this career woman and had all these things playing out because she was just standing there going, "Uh oh, and it was very sudden. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, well, there's an elongated illness. My dad got up in the morning, says, I don't feel very good and started sweating and everything else. And the ambulance came and he was at the hospital. and You got a heart attack. He was 43. Okay, he never got out of the hospital. And my mom says, I will become a prayer warrior. Why? What are your options? What are your options? Then she had to bury another husband? Cancer. Really? But you know what? You watch her and she doesn't waver to the left or to the right or to the high or to the low. She just smiles and goes. It's because me and her, me and my brother are on this side of the Mississippi, but that's another time. <laughs> They're way over there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> If you read this on, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you have not did not see him now, but believed in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Did you see what he just did? That's depressing. Everybody reads that and says, well, what does that mean? That means that to the degree your suffering is going to be the greater your glory. Well, wait a minute. I thought I was saved by grace through faith and everything was a bed of roses. No. It's not. It's a bed of rose thorns. There is a relationship between suffering and glory. 
And I guarantee you, when you came to salvation, nobody explained that to you. And yet Jesus himself says, count the cost. Listen, I want you to understand something. Pain is pain. I don't want you to think that the Apostle Paul or Peter or Jesus looked at this. Is that it's just a mind over matter thing. If you have positive thoughts, you'll have positive life. Now, nah, I have positive thoughts and then I wake up. Suffering is suffering. Scars are scars. Rocks bouncing off of your body are rocks bouncing off of your body. Rods are rods. Dangers are dangers. Heartache is heartache. Attack on your integrity is an attack on your integrity. I mean, they'll even attack you on your... Are you mentally stable? Listen, stuff is real. I don't want to ever downplay the suffering of life. And I don't want to look at this and say, well, I'll just be positive like Paul. Paul understood this. Why is he writing the lot of second Corinthians? Because he loved these people and they were breaking his heart. That's why he wrote it. It's real. But. It's not important. Do you get that? If I'm looking at what's happening right now, it seems really important. But if I look at the big scheme of things in the second coming of Jesus Christ, really? Is it that important? I heard it described that life is but a trivial annoyance. I used to have a sticker in my workshop that said life is too important to be taken seriously remember Paul says it is light and it is momentary there's no weight to it there's no weight to it compared to the weight of the rewards of the heavenlies think about it but if you go back to your text it is producing something Have you ever thought about it? That the afflictions that you and I endure, if you're not enduring it right now, you're either coming out of afflictions or you're headed into afflictions. Afflictions means pressures. Okay? This world has a a wonderful ability to just press us. And some of you say, you have no idea. I am always pressed. You You don't know my spouse. That's where you go from Song of Solomon to Ecclesiastes. Paul understood that the more he suffered, the greater Paul's glory in eternity was. Okay, if you go back to the scale illustration, you put all of your suffering over here. And the more you pile on here, the heavier the reward side. Okay, it, the suffering can never outdo the heavenly side. I don't care how crushing it seems. And everybody says, well, you're almost teaching like Jesus thing is a rewards based thing. Jesus in Revelation says, lo, I come quickly and 
My reward is with me. It sounds like a reward thing to me. And it is a capacity to praise and honor God for eternity. Let me ask, let's see if I can help you kind of grasp this a minute. God is not overcome by evil. Did you know that? All right, just in case you're wondering, because some people act like he is. You know, well, I need to go bind Satan. Uh, no, <laughs> you don't have to go bind Satan. And if you're really smart, don't mess with him. <laughs> okay. Did you know that God's ministers cannot be overcome by evil? What? Yeah, can't. Can't be overcome. Do they stumble? Sure. Absolutely. You can't overcome them, though. Why? Whose are they? They're God's. God adopted them. They didn't adopt God. You know, I made a decision for God. You couldn't make a decision with God if he was standing there looking at you. Well, wait, he is. You can't do it. Well, that sounds like that predestination. No, that sounds like the Bible. I chose you. You didn't choose me, is what Jesus said. Seems pretty straightforward to me. I mean, you may not like that truth, but you'll get over it. You see him face to face, you'll say, hey, I think he chose me. Yeah. Listen, when I think about suffering, okay, I'm going to look at Paul here and I say, man, that's, that's, that's tough. But if you really look at it, the new covenant, what's it based on? Suffering for the glory to come. Philippians chapter 2, Jesus endured the cross. Why? Why? For the glory before him. He wasn't looking at the cross. He was looking past the cross. I like that. And the problem with you and I is we will have a time of suffering. And what do we focus on? This isn't light. This is heavy. You don't know the burden that I'm carrying. Why? The glory to come is that Jesus gets the name that is above all names. There is no one above Jesus Christ because of the cross that he endured. Because of the glory to come, which is the name above all names. Suffering and glory are inseparable. Let me ask you a question. And, and I, some of you were here years ago when I taught on the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, James and John and Ma come up to Jesus and say, Hey, can my boys have the left and right hand in the kingdom? And Jesus' response to them is very interesting. Okay, He says, Can they bear the cup that I must bear? That's an interesting way. What? What is that cup? Can they drink of this cup? What is that cup? Suffering and wrath. Suffering and wrath. You want to be important in Jesus' kingdom? Then you have to suffer more. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Yay, sign me up. When he goes to the garden of Gethsemane, what is his response? Father, take this cup from me, but your will be done. Right? It wasn't that he's saying, well, did we come up with plan B here? And I maybe missed that meeting or something. No, he said, you know what? This is serious suffering. You need to understand something. Jesus didn't go to the cross and say, well, this, is good. this is a piece of cake. I, you know, I can give up my own spirit at any given time. I can just stop living. This isn't really that big a deal. Let me tell you something. When he yells out, Eli, Eli, Lamas, you and I can't understand that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Godhead separated by sin? Yeah, the penalty of sin. That's a serious case of suffering, brothers and sisters. Serious case of suffering. And he said, but I want this cup removed. The problem in the evangelical church today is none of us are willing to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and say, not my will, but yours be done, regardless of the cup. And everybody, we get our little cup. Got my little grape juice. Suffering for Jesus. And that ain't that what that's about. It is the blood of the new covenant, which is his. And until you go to the garden yourself and say, not my will, but yours be done. You're going to have problems because every time something goes wrong with you, something is just doesn't work out. You're going to get all cranky about it and wonder why Jesus doesn't love me no more. Instead of looking to the heavenlies. Peter was going through this. Bless his bones. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13. You may not want to turn over to this one. <laughs> you know that every time that I share something with you, you are now held responsible for the information that I have given you. Just, just giving you guys a heads up because I don't want you saying I'm killing him. Verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which is upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Okay? But to the degree that you... You really want to read the rest of this? To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ... Keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Did you get that? To the degrees that you suffer with Christ. That glory is a greater capacity to praise God, a greater capacity to serve God, and a greater capacity to glorify God. It is the glory to come. And the glory to come is far beyond anything we got. If you go back to this text, it's a funny text in the original language. Go back to 2 Corinthians. The New American Standard Translation for verse 17 says, It is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison is how it's, 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 it's written. And it literally has to do for the glory to come, is some translations of it, or a reward is far beyond our expectations. The original text is hyperbole upon hyperbole. 
What? Exaggeration upon exaggeration. It would be like trillions of gazillions and zillions of quadrillions. All right? It means I haven't really got a term to describe the glory to come. It is beyond my explanation. So I will exaggerate it and exaggerate it again. It is beyond all beyonds. He uses the phrase uh, identical to it. We looked at it earlier in chapter 1, verse 8. He says, We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our afflictions that came to us in Asia. We were burdened excessively beyond our strength. Burdened excessively means that it was beyond all beyonds. It was beyond exaggerations of beyond exaggerations. We suffered beyond comparison, but we will be glorified beyond comparison. A little brief moment of fluff. When we look at what the results are bringing. Willing to suffer. Am I willing for the product? It will produce. I want to close with a footnote. Okay. This is a very important footnote. Okay. The only suffering, (laughs) the, the only affliction that does this is that that is for the cause of Christ. Please make a note. Okay, for a suffering or an affliction that brings honor to Christ. Okay, I know a whole bunch of people who uh, are self-inflicted. <laughs> okay, um, I have run into many that I would call the martyrs. Okay, if you're running around telling people. How you're suffering for Jesus. Know this. You're not. You're not. Because those who suffer for Jesus are rejoicing. And it is momentary. It is light. It is just for a moment. And it is fluff. So they don't really talk about it. I've told you about the Russian pastor that I run into, had this nice suit on. He came out from behind the pew and had his pant legs only came down to here. And I thought, that's kind of (laughs) weird. Is that a Russian fashion thing or what? And what had happened is he had been in the gulags in water up to here for years. And the outside of his skin had all flaked off because of being immersed in water. And all he had was nerves. Okay, so anything that touched it was, yo! And you know why he was in there? He got caught with Luke. He was preaching the gospel of Luke. Okay, 
He spends the rest of his life. He can't put shoes on. He can't put socks on. He can't have, he can't sit. If you put him in bed, his feet have to be out because if the sheets lay on his legs, it's excruciating pain. That's suffering for Jesus. Well, I suffered for the gospel. And he will spend the rest of his life in that condition, which is a bit of a, a bit of a problem. Try to fly intercontinental in that condition. So when I speak of affliction or trials or suffering, it is only that that is done for the cause of Christ. Listen, if you go get your eye, yourself eyeball deep in debt, okay, and you just don't know how you're going to get out of it, please understand you're not doing that for Jesus. All right? But you just don't understand. Yeah, I do. They call them credit cards or pay-as-you-go or whatever. I don't know what. I guess it ain't pay-as-you-go, is it? Should have tried layaway. I don't know. You can't do it. No. Absolutely, you can't do it. All right. I watch people get into trials and tribulations. And you know what? Most of it is just pure self-inflicted. And then they go, oh, poor me for suffering and trials and tribulations. Go through Paul's life. You will not see that he did any of this intentionally. Okay. You and I have to pay close attention to that. The trials and tribulations that come to us as a result of our Christian life, of our Christian witness, of our Christian testimony that proves our loyalty to Christ. When those are standing and they bring heartache, they bring sorrow, they bring trials, they bring affliction, the pressures of the world on us. Understand this. I will be gaining a weight. You will be gaining a weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. You can't compare what you would suffer cannot compare to the weight of glory that is being added to the proverbial scale. We do it. When I think about suffering for the cause of Christ, do I do it with a spirit of gratitude? I'm thankful. Because when you're there, then you can rejoice in it. Now, this, I, again, I want to make sure that you understand. It hurts. You know, I've, I've, I've got pastor friends and they, they say, now, Terry, you, you'll get these personal attacks, but you don't take them personally. Because they're just shooting at Jesus and you just happen to be in the way. So I've been through a few of those in the past and I call these guys up and I said, you know, this is what's going on. And they said, we'll pray, but don't take it personally. And I said, well, have you ever been through anything like this? And they said, well, yeah, if you're in the pastor, you're going to go through it. I said, did you take it personally? And they said, you betcha. You betcha. It hurts. And there's times you're going to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and it's going to hurt. It's going to cause heartache. It's going to cause tears. It's going to cause sorrow. All right. Just know that. I'm, I'm not trying to say just be positive. If positive, it'll all be fine. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you walk in his righteousness, you will be persecuted. And brothers and sisters, it hurts. But if I look at the circumstance, then I'm not looking at the heavenlies. 
And if I'm not looking at the heavenlies, you will not endure. You will be defeated. It is not based on your age. It is not based on your IQ. It is based on the call of Christ on your life. And do you believe? You can have the information. I know a lot of people got information. Let me get an illustration. Driving down the road. Okay? Got a little white line that's right there. It says that's the edge of the road. You get off of that, you're going to be in the ditch. That little line over there says that's where the other cars are. I stay on this side. Anybody ever cross that line? But what's the information tell you? Don't do that. Don't do that. That's wrong. But every once in a while, what happens? You cross that line. Right? And sometimes it doesn't matter. You just come back over. Oops. That was close. Right? But I don't get it. You had the information. Why would you ever want to cross that line? You know what you learn is? The information doesn't keep you from doing it. I have the information. That line shall stop me. I shall never cross it. Nothing. Same thing with your walk with Christ. You have the information. What are you going to do with it? Trust the Lord. A mind to exalt the Lord. We'll be focused on the sufferings for the Lord. Because all the sufferings for the Lord, that glorifies His name. An eternal reward in the heavenlies that is far heavier compared to the light and the momentary affliction that you and I deal with on a moment-by-moment basis. I'm going to give you one more verse because. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. In light of what you just heard, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Pretty straightforward, don't you think? The Apostle Paul endured. Okay? Why? He put more value on spiritual strength than he did on physical strength. Verse 16. The Apostle Paul endured because he put more value on the future than he did the present. Verse 17. The Apostle Paul endured because he put more value on the eternal over the temporal. Next week, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Amazing things you continue to do. Father, I just pray that uh, you help us in, in this time uh, of, of the word being out of season to press on to the upward calling of Christ. Even, Father, as the pressure of this world, the temporal things, um, and sometimes violently try to distract us, Lord. Father, may we bow our knee before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, may we walk in a manner worthy of this amazing calling. And Father, those who do suffer for the things of Christ, Father, may they focus on the heavenly reward. Father, it is, it is so difficult to be temporal-based and, Father, to be looking at the eternals. 
But Father, through you and through you alone, through your plans, through your holy book, the power of your spirit and your precious bride, the church, you've given us what we need for life and godliness. Help us, Lord, to be men and women who endure. And Father, we do it in a way that is rejoicing and exalting the King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us. For we are not adequate. And yet, Father, you have called us for such a task. To your glory, to your praise. Christ and Christ alone. Amen.